love what Ty did with that uh, bumper video there. You see all the nuts and bolts. Reminds me of the, the TV show How It's Made. I don't know if you like watching that. I love watching that. And uh, I, I adventured into a little bit of How It's Made this week myself. Um, I, I took an ice machine, and I'm in the process of trying to figure out what's wrong with it. And, uh, you know, I don't know anything about refrigeration. That's not the problem. There's some other things that are wrong with it. And, and so I, I had some opinions. I had some ideas of what I thought needed to be done to fix it, and they didn't work. So what I did was I went online and I found the owner's manual for this ice machine, and I began to read the troubleshooting section. And if this isn't working, then check this and, and uh, unplug this and touch these two things together, and if this little like, et cetera. And, uh, you know, that's essentially, that's essentially what we're doing. We're talking about freedom works. And, and we're talking, number one, about what is the foundation of our freedom? What, what is the foundation of our faith? Um, how does it work? What, what knowledge, what truth do we need to have in order to, to know how it works? And then we're also talking about the fact, as we go through this series, that freedom works. That, that once we've experienced it, once, when we have Jesus Christ in our life and our life begins to be transformed, we can see that it works. And as I was troubleshooting this ice machine, um, there were some things that it was actually, there's these infrared eyes that are supposed to tell when the, when the, the bin is full. Um, you know, ice gets in between them and it blocks the view. But what I didn't know, because I tried running the machine with those rubber banded together, you know, I thought, well, it, they're going to see each other, right? They're going to be face to face. Well, they did see each other, and it ran a cycle. But then it, then it would shut down. And what I, what I figured out was, um, in reading and, and learning how this works, is that when it harvests a batch of ice, there has to be a momentary disruption between those eyes for the machine to know that it's still working so that it won't shut down. So as I'm, as I'm doing this, I'm, I'm, I've got it hooked up to the garden hose, and it's plugged into the garage, and, you know, it's draining on the driveway, and... and uh, I have my, my uh, phone set for, for 10 minutes because it, it harvests a batch every 12 minutes. Well, if I touch these two wires together, it thinks that it sees it. So I figure out then, and I'm, and I'm running it, and it runs, I look really funny in my bare feet running back and forth from the deck to this ice machine um, with all the twigs on the, on the sidewalk from the hail that we had last week. Um, but it works. And there was this moment of joy and excitement that I figured it out. Um, it works. And that's the way salvation in Christ is. When, when, when we sense in our soul that we are being transformed and, and we experience joy in, in areas where we wouldn't have before because, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ, that's when we come to the, to the, to the conclusion that it works. It's real. It's the real thing. And, and so we're going to be talking about that as we continue to go through this series. Just to, to catch everybody who wasn't here last week up. Um, last week, we saw that one of the reasons that we can trust that this letter of Galatians has authority in our life is because Paul, didn't, Paul wasn't sent from men. Men didn't send Paul on this mission. God sent Paul on this mission. Jesus Christ appeared before Paul. Paul's life was transformed. He believed, and now he's getting his information. He's getting his, um, uh, these thoughts and the words that he's writing to these people from God himself. Um, in verse 1, if, if you would turn to Galatians chapter 1, if you haven't already, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And, and we saw that the foundation of our faith is this, what's been taught from the very beginning. 
by Jesus himself and all of his disciples who saw him, who walked with him, who talked with him. And Paul reiterates this in verse 3. Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God, our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The good news, the gospel, the truth is that Jesus, the Messiah, came, God with us, was crucified, rose again, ascended into heaven, and now when we put our faith and trust in Him as our Savior, we will be saved. We will be rescued. And today, as we dig further into Galatians chapter 1, we're going to see one of the problems, the, the problem that Paul is confronting here in the the area of Galatia and in our very own culture because we, uh, we tend to operate today in a similar way that the people that he's talking to were operating here. Um, people uh, in Paul's time, the Galatians had lost their way a bit. They had strayed from the truth and Paul is trying to bring them back in, onto the road, out of the ditch. So uh, we, we can get lost ourselves. And, and here's how we do it. We come across something in Scripture that we don't really like the sound of. Uh, for instance, uh, love your enemies. I don't know. I don't really like to love my enemies. I mean, they're my enemies for a reason, right? They did something bad to me, or they hurt me, or, or they said something behind my back. They're my enemy. Why, why would I want to love them? Why would I want to show them grace and mercy? Why, why would I want them to treat them differently than, they, than how they treated me? But the Bible says, love your enemies. So we have a decision to make. Am I going to obey this, or am I just going to kind of circumvent it and do my own thing? Uh, The Bible says, pray for those who persecute you. Um, I don't like that. And sometimes when we don't like something, we we just avoid it. Um, I like to call it salad bar Christianity. We just kind of pick and choose what we want to believe, what's to our advantage, and and what makes us feel good, etc. And we just chuck the rest, or we just sort of ignore it. I'm just not going to read that section. And we we skip a page to the next page in the Bible. Um, But when it comes to God's Word, our response should be obedience. It should be, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And in Paul's time, um, the Galatians have strayed away from that. Um, He's confronting the Judaizers, and I'm going to talk about them in a few moments, but the Judaizers were attempting to add something to what Jesus himself and to what Paul and others were teaching. Uh, Maybe one of the reasons why they were doing that was to make what what was being said or the truth to be a little more palatable to to, to their previous views, what they believed was true and what what their tradition was, um, what they were taught. Um, Sometimes it's hard to break away from something that you were taught in the past because you've held on to it for such a long time that that when you come to some new revelation, um, God teaches you something new, it's it's tough to change that. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe they, they wanted to feel smarter or higher or better than other people. And so they were saying, okay, this is what you need to do. Um... Maybe they wanted to be in control of what was taught and who determines what was right to believe and what's not. Regardless of their intentions, um, Paul is saying that they are flat wrong and they're throwing people into confusion. Uh, And and Paul is confronting them. Look at verse 6 right there in chapter 1. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, Some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. 
As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Now this is some extreme language. Do you think Paul sees this as an important thing? you think Paul sees that truth, real truth, matters? Absolutely he does. And that's point number one in your notes this morning. Truth matters. We live in a culture today that the truth is just sort of sometimes neither here nor there. You know, this, this, this over here, it, it, it's from God's Word, but it sort of makes me uncomfortable. I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound loving. But, and so we shy away from it or we change it. Sort of couch it differently. Um, Paul is saying, look, truth matters. And, and, and as he's saying that, he's saying, I am astonished. I, I can't believe you guys would, would stray away from what we taught you. Um, from what these people are telling you. Um, it seems like that's kind of a problem for the people of Israel, doesn't it? Um, they, it as we saw in the last series, um, they, they, they were miraculously saved out of Egypt. Uh, they, they crossed the Red Sea because God parts it. They walk across on dry land. That doesn't happen every day. And, and then they get to Mount Sinai, or Mount Carmel, and Moses goes up to, to, get the, to receive the law, the Ten Commandments from God, and he's gone for a month. And in that month, the people decide that, ah, you know, he's just taking too long. How impatient can you get? Uh, so they, they gather up all the gold in the, in the camp, and they melt it down, and they form a golden calf, and they begin worshiping it. They say, it will be our God. What... What is the deal? Um, it, it, and what about us? Don't we do that too? Um, I think that's sort of a part of our sinful nature that, that we are experiencing in, in this life is we tend to stray. We're like sheep. Well, the Bible refers to us as sheep all the time. Like sheep, we go astray. We, we get a, you know, sheep don't go out in the pasture one day and say, you know what, I'm going to stray away today. Right? They don't think that. I'm not sure they even think at all. But um, what they do is they come up, oh, they see this little green tuft of grass over here and they come over and they nibble on this and then they see another one over there and they go over there and they nibble on that. And before long, they look around and they're just out there all alone and they're lost. That, that happens to us. That happens to us. And Paul is saying, look, people, truth matters. Truth matters matters. Uh, he says anything other than the real gospel, anything other than the gospel that we taught you is no gospel at all. It's not truth. Look at verse 8 again. This is eye-opening to me. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Paul is saying, if I start hallucinating and I preach something differently than I preached to you before, it's wrong. It, it, may I be under a curse? And then he pushes that a little bit farther and he said, if an angel from heaven comes down and teaches you anything differently than what was taught before, it's wrong. May they, may he, she be cursed. Um, wow. Uh, Paul himself puts himself under the scrutiny of his own words. Uh, 
angels themselves, if angels from heaven were to preach anything other than Jesus, the Messiah, God with us, crucified, raised again, and it's our faith and trust in Him that saves us, if they are teaching anything other than that, it's wrong. I saw a word this week. It's an anathema. It's so far from the truth and a lie that, that it shouldn't even exist. Um, Jesus, Jesus taught this himself, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever what believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus taught this gospel, this good news himself. Jesus taught it. Jesus accomplished it. He was the sacrifice. He was the one. If, if you look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, He gave up His Spirit. Jesus died. He surrendered to death. And then in verse 54, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely He was the Son of God. And then skipping to verse 57, as evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and then he went away. And we know that, that Pilate sent, uh, or actually Pilate himself came down and sealed the cave with his ring so that no one could break the seal. They would know if someone broke in. Posted a, a troop of centurions to guard it so nobody could steal the body, that sort of thing. And then Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 and 7. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you, Jesus accomplished it. He did it. He died and he rose again. And hundreds and hundreds of people saw him alive after this happened. Testifying. We, we see their writings here in our Bible. Testifying. Uh, witnesses, eyewitnesses to Jesus. So Jesus taught it, he accomplished it, and Jesus offers it. Um, even before his crucifixion, Jesus offered it. For sure afterwards, Jesus offers it. In John chapter 4, when Jesus encounters the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and, and, and he starts a spiritual conversation with her, um, he asked her to draw some water for him, and she's shocked that he would, number one, ask a woman, number two, ask a Samaritan woman, him being a Jew, and, and, then, and then he says, you know, if only you would ask for... I, I can give you living water, Jesus said. And they have this conversation. In the midst of this conversation, she finds out that, that he is the Messiah. She says, the Messiah will come one day. And he, he says to her, I'm he. I'm the one. It's me. And then in verse 39, it says... Uh, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony... He told me everything I did. So they were believing on her testimony that, that he told me my past. He doesn't know who I am, but yet he knows who I am. He knows everything I've done. He knows all the people I've slept with. He knows the man that I'm living with now who's not my husband. And then it says, 
So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Jesus taught the good news. He accomplished the good news, and he offers the good news. And it's a free gift. There's nothing that we can do that we can do to deserve it, to pay for it. It's, it's grace. It's grace. It's pure grace. Paul explains it this way in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Over and over and over in the Old Testament, we saw that God would set it up so that there would only be one person who would get the credit to accomplish what, he, what, what would be accomplished. When Gideon won that battle, when Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, all those things, it was God and God only. And Paul is saying the same thing. When it comes to your salvation and my salvation, it's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. We can't add anything to that. Uh, Truth matters. So there are two messages trying to get our allegiance, trying to get the allegiance of the people in Galatia. Um, Over the authority and truth, these central issues, what Paul is teaching and what the Judaizers are teaching. Only one is true and believing that the, the one, the most important thing in the world, believing that one, is the most important thing in the world for every one of us. So truth, truth matters. Truth matters. We must be the kind of people for whom truth matters. Now, as I mentioned last week, there are many opinions in our culture today, some with not so devastating consequences, um, or that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Who in this room are, how many of you are Ford people? It's Ford automobiles all the way. All right, we have a few people willing to admit that. Uh, that's your opinion. We understand. Uh, how about Chevy? Any Chevys in the house? Wow, one? Are you kidding me? They all went to... Chevys, Chevy people come to first service. Um, you can join them next week, Roy. Uh, so that really leaves Dodge. It, Dodge? What do you people drive? What's that? Hmm. How about Harley Davidson? There was a heckler in the first service. What about Harley Davidson? Oh, Honda. Oh, I, I forgot. I forgot that. Foreign automobiles. Raise your hand. Still. Dude, you like raised your hand four times in a row up there in the balcony. Really? You, got, you own all four of them? Wow. No loyalty. It doesn't matter, does it? It's inconsequential what your opinion is on what's the best brand of car to own. Um, Now, there are teams when you don't think that. You know, you think that your brand is it. But that's really inconsequential. Um, Now, there are uh, matters of opinion and truth that have devastating, devastating consequences if they are uh, misbelieved. Like, uh, some people believe that God doesn't exist. That there is no such thing as God. Um, that has devastating eternal consequences. Or, or that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about it. How many times have we heard that? Oh, you know what? As, as long as you're sincere about what you believe, that's okay. You can believe that, that if that works for you. It doesn't work for me, but if it works for you, whatever. Um, 
Or, or how about this one? Life is simply about having fun. I'm just going to have as much fun as I can before I die because when I take my last breath, I will simply cease to exist. Um, that person that believes that is in for a shocking eternity uh, because truth matters. Truth matters. Um, the world is full of opinions uh, and we need to make sure that our opinions are based on truth. Um, part of the truth that Paul was told by God to preach was that just as salvation was available to Jews, it's also available to Gentiles. And this is where the Judaizers struggled with this. Um, in in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul says this, This mystery uh, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what nation you belong to. The, the Sioux nation, the Cheyenne nation, the Swede nation, the German nation, the Jew nation, the African nation, the Chinese nation, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Jesus died for all of them. Jesus died for all of them. And the Jews are struggling. Those in leadership are struggling with this fact. Um, these Judaizers, they were um, probably mostly the religious leaders of Paul's day, and they just couldn't swallow that people uh, swallow people other than Jews being saved. We're the chosen nation, not them. We are. And Paul says, no, no. Um, everyone is loved by God. Um, I think this is one of the reasons that it's so important that Paul tells us that his message didn't come from men, but it came from God. That's where the authority comes from. Um, if his message was man-made, it would hold no water. Um, but it's not man-made. It's from God. And it's going against what the Judaizers are teaching. They're adjusting the gospel to fit their viewpoints. Which brings us to point number two in our notes this morning. And that's beware of any teaching about Jesus that doesn't line up with the Bible. Beware of any teaching about Jesus that doesn't line up with the Bible. Now the Bible, some of the Bible is just, it's history. Um, it's narrative. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tells us about when, when Jesus came and how, how he was raised and when he, how he lived his life and when he died and how he rose again and who, who experienced him and the words that he said. And then we have letters from Paul and then we have prophecies that, that speak of things that are yet to come and have came who were yet to come when they were written and have been fulfilled. And we also have in the Bible what God wanted us, what, what He wanted us to know about Himself. He's teaching us about Himself. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 15-17, the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired. It was given by God Himself and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. That's all you need is my grace. You can't, you can't live righteously enough. You can't do it. You can't do it. Um, flip back to Galatians chapter 6 and look at verse 12. This is what the Judaizers were requiring. Galatians 6, 12 and 13. Those who want to impress people, Paul says, by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this 
is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. So they're, they're doing this out of some sense of self-protection. They know that this message that Paul is bringing isn't widely accepted, and so they're shrinking back from it, saying, you know what, it's not that great of a message, so we're going to add a little bit to it to make it a little more acceptable, to make it a little more palatable to the people, and that's what we're going to teach. Not even those who are circumcised, Paul says, keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast upon your circumcision in the flesh. I'm kind of thinking that's not really something to boast about. Um, But for them, religiously, it was extremely important. Now the Judaizers, who were the Judaizers? They were Jews, probably Pharisees or Sadducees, teachers of the law, that couldn't swallow that Jesus had fulfilled the law and that now there was a new thing. That it was that salvation was through faith in Christ, in in the in in the uh, the sacrifice that He made. They couldn't swallow that. That Jesus was the sacrifice, and that now salvation was through faith, not through making all the right sacrifices or or getting circumcised or being the right nationality. But that's what they were teaching. They were teaching that you had to be a Jew in order to be saved. You have to be a Jew in order to be a saved. Now, do we have any Jews in the house? Anybody with Jewish background in, in their blood? One. Okay. Lois. You're the lucky one. We're all lost. We're Gentiles. We're not the chosen people. We're not the chosen nation. See, we'd all be out, every one of us in this room, if it weren't for what Jesus did. And for what he taught, absolutely, we are grafted in. We are adopted. We are heirs together, Paul says in Ephesians 3, 6, together with Israel. But the Judaizers were teaching that, no, see, there's this Jesus thing, and then there's this. So you have to be, you have to be a Jew. And if you can't be a Jew by nationality, you have to be a Jew by practice. Three things. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow the law and you need to operate under the sacrificial system. Those three things. If you do those three things, then you can be saved. That's what they're teaching. And Paul is saying, uh-uh. Now, sometimes we get those lists in our heads in our churches, don't we? Well, in order to be a Christian, well, we would say, we wouldn't say it that way. We would say, in order to be a good Christian, you have to do these things. Okay? But sometimes that can slip into, in order to be a Christian... You have to believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, yes, but you also have to come to church every Sunday, and you also can't miss Sunday school ever. And you have to be baptized. And you have to take communion at least once a month. Some churches would say once every week. Paul is saying, no, it's, it's not Jesus and, it's Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying those things are bad things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't do those things. Okay? What Paul is saying is you don't do those things in order to be saved. You don't take communion, get baptized, go to church every Sunday, um, you know, say the right prayers at the right times of the day in order to be saved. You do those things that I just mentioned because you've been saved. I want to be righteous, but I don't want to be righteous so that I can get to heaven. I want to be righteous because, because I'm saved. Because I can be. It's possible now in Christ Jesus. 
Turn back. Flip back to Galatians 1 if you haven't already. Verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm... I know more than all rest of you. All you Judaizers, I'm better than you. I know it all. I know Judaism. In and out, I, 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 I worshipped under that. That was my religion. I persecuted Christians under that. And now, you know what? Verse 15 there says, But God. Is it verse 15? But God. Because of what, G, what happened, the transformation that occurred into him because of Jesus Christ. His life is different. His life isn't different in order that he could be. It's different because of. And we need to make sure that we get those clear. Beware of any teaching about Jesus that doesn't line up with the Bible. We need to be aware of that. So, so in our culture today, what are some of the things that, that we need to be aware of? I'm going to give you three. They're going to appear up here as bullet points. You can write them in your notes. Three examples. Many people in our world today would say that Jesus was just a good teacher. That's all he was. He was human. He, he was obviously born. Um, he died. All that other stuff about resurrection, that's just, you know, that's not real. It was just all made up. Um, big conspiracy thing going on. Um, but what we need to do is we need to follow Jesus' example. We need to love our children. We need to care for the poor. We need to uh, care for the widows. We need to travel around and do good just as Jesus did. Um, he, he was just simply a good teacher. He wasn't divine. In fact, um, you can believe that he was divine. You can believe that he wasn't. It really doesn't matter. What really matters is that we have his example as a good teacher. We just need to do good like he did. We, we need to make, make sure that the good things in our life outweigh the bad things. And if the good things outweigh the bad things, then okay, we're okay. We're going to be in. If they don't, eh, I don't know. It's kind of up, up to whatever. Fate, I guess. Um, but what does the Bible say? What did Jesus say himself? What bring, which brings us to the second opinion to be aware of, and that's this, that Jesus was not God. And, and, and these, these things are, be, these are the obvious ones. Okay? These are the ones that you're like, I can see that a mile away. Okay? There, there, are, there are others who are, um, who are more um, subversive, submersive, subversive than that. Um, think about your knowledge of history. Now, I'm not a huge history buff. I don't, I don't really, well, I kind of like history, but I don't like to memorize history. Um, I would rather watch the movie than read the book. Okay? I, I know there are some of you out there that like that. Um, take the movie uh, U571, for instance, about the German U-boats and the, the Americans' um, confiscation of, what was that thing called? Um, what, what, Mick, what, what was that thing that translated? The Enigma. Okay? It, it was our, our finding that and, and stealing it. In fact, we stole the, the U-boat itself. And it's in a museum in Chicago. You can see it. You can stand next to it. You can touch it. But everything I know about that instant comes from the movie U571. I know, I know really no truth about what really happened. All I know is what was in the movie. And what tends to happen is if that's the only point of reference that I have, that movie then becomes my basis of history. And it couldn't be further from the truth. It was based on actual events. But then Hollywood took it and did their thing. Um, the movie, uh, um, not facing the Giants, the other football movie. What was it? Remember the Titans. Um, how many of you saw Remember the Titans? 
Oh, wow, more people than own Ford, Chevys, and Dodge. No, I'm just kidding. Um, based on actual events, right? Uh, I, read, I read a kind of a play-by-play manuscript of that movie, what actually happened, and, and they showed it, kind of lined it up side-by-side side with what they portrayed in the movie and, and how it actually happened. Not even close. Some of those things were so far apart. But, but again, my, my sense of, of that desegregation at that time and the football team and everything was based on that movie. We have to be careful. Hollywood is good at what they do. People that want to lie to you and, and feed you half-truths and partial-truths on the Internet are good at what they do. We have to be careful. We have to be careful because truth matters. Truth matters. The third opinion that's out there is that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Beware of anyone that teaches this. It's wrong. It, it, it's, it's nowhere in, in the Bible. It's never taught or inferred or hinted at. It's purely man-made. I'm, I'm not even sure what human benefit could possibly... I'm not even sure where that came from or why, um, why they made that up. But the Bible says that Satan was a created being. And we know that Jesus has always been. Um, we know that Satan was an angelic being created by God who tried to usurp the power of God because of his pride. He was cast out of heaven. Not even close. Not even close. We need to beware of any teaching that teaches anything other than what the Bible says about Jesus. Again, Paul says right there in uh, Galatians 1, um, Verse 6, or verse 9, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Anything. If an angel, if you have a vision, and this angelic being appears before you and tells you to go into the woods and dig up some plates, and that's the prophecy for the new gospel, Paul says, "Uh uh-uh. Don't listen to it. It's not true. Truth matters. We need to hold to the truth. All right, so what does this mean for us today? I'm going to give you four things. Four ways that this applies to our life here today. The first thing is this. The gospel is the foundation of freedom. It's, it's the foundation. It's the starting point. If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you're sitting here this morning, that is step number one for you. It's, it's surrendering your life to Him. It's believing that He is the Messiah, that He is God, and that He paid the penalty for your sin and is calling you to freedom in Christ. In John 8, chap, uh, verses 31 and 32, to the Jews who had believed Him, Jesus said, if you hold to My teaching, you are really My disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I can't wait to talk about that more in the coming weeks. The gospel, the good news, is that Jesus, again, the Messiah, God with us, was crucified and rose again to rescue us. And when we believe Him, we will what? We will be saved. More about that freedom in the coming messages. The second is this, that we need to stop adding to the gospel. We need to stop adding to it. Our biggest misstep here is exactly like the one that the Jews were making. But we want to add something that, that we can do to the gospel. Um, circumcision or following the law or righteousness or attending church or Sunday school. I already talked about those things. We want to attach those to our salvation. And Paul says, no. No, that's, that's sanctification, not salvation. 
Now again, all those things are good. I'm not saying don't do those things, but don't do those things unto salvation. We do those things because of our salvation. Uh, in an interview with New York Magazine, um, a, a fairly popular um, entertainer these days, Lady Gaga, said this. She, now, this is, this is popular thinking in our culture, okay? This is what she says. What I've discovered is that in art, as in music, there's a lot of truth, and then there's a lie. The artist is essentially creating his work to make this lie a truth. But then he slides it in amongst all the others. The tiny little lie is the moment I live for. My moment. It's the moment the audience falls in love. It's that little bitty lie in with the truth. We must be diligent. We must research. We must go to the Scriptures and back the stuff up that we hear and that we see and that we say. Because truth matters to us today. The gospel is the foundation of freedom. We need to stop adding to the gospel. Number three, we are on a journey to maturity and growth. We're on a journey. Paul didn't instantly become this incredible Christian disciple follower immediately right there on the road to Damascus. Now, his life was definitely transformed. But we read even in, in here, if you look at verse 17, um, Paul says, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before um, I was. The call of God came on his life, and then, and then he started experiencing other things. He went to Arabia first. Later I returned to Damascus, he says. Verse 18, then after three years I went to Jerusalem, stayed 15 days. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. And then in the first verse of chapter 2, he says, then 14 years later I went up again to Jerusalem. It's a process. He's learning. He's growing. Towards the end of his life when he's in jail, in chains, he says, I now understand what it means. I, I know what it means to be content. That didn't come overnight. That, that, that was a process. That was a process of faith and, and shipwrecks and seeing God do miracles and change His life. And it's the same for you and for me. It's a process and we have to remember that it's a process. Part of that process here at North Hills is discovery classes. Um, we see part of the process that Paul is going to go through in the second look this week. Um, Pastor Ty is going to tackle um, Paul's conversion and what it means to be born again. Some of you are, might be thinking, well, what in the world is second look? Second look, let me tell you. It, second look is, a, is an 8 to 12 minute video that you can get on our church website. The, the address is in your bulletin. Just click on second look. Click on the one that's up there for this week. And, and it's, a, it's a second look at the sermon from a different perspective. And there's some questions there, and we really, really, really encourage you to go there and watch that. And, and then I want to ask that you would have a conversation with your husband or your wife about it. What does this mean to us in the life of our family? How does this apply to us? Um, or if you're not married, one of your friends or maybe a co-worker that, that attends church with you, and you could talk about it over lunch, or, or you know, maybe your golf partner this week. You're out on the golf course and you just threw your club 20 yards because you hit a bad shot and you're having a bad day. Talk about second look. Be a good, you know, get, a, get, a, get your head cleared and think about something different. Um, the gospel is the foundation of freedom. We need to stop adding to the gospel. We are on a journey to maturity and growth. And finally, people will see the changes in us and praise God. Look at verse 24, end of chapter 1 right there. And they praised God because of me, Paul says. 
He's not saying, hey, look at me. He's saying, hey, look at God. What God did in my life because of that, because the people saw that, they are praising Him. Some of them are praising Him because they're still alive and they're talking to Paul because Paul was killing Christians before and now he's been so transformed by God. And the people are praising Him. Oh, wouldn't it be awesome if people at your work or at your school or in your home were praising God because of what He's done in your life and how they see that? Oh, that's what I want. I want people to know Jesus because Jesus is real in my life and they can see it. Truth matters. And we need to beware of messages that teach differently than the Bible does on who Jesus is. Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You for Your... for just how amazing you are, um, how gracious and forgiving. God, thank you. Thank you for your servant, Paul, and uh, just uh, the transformation that we see in his life. And, and Lord, I pray that, that we would each see that same kind of transformation in our lives as, as we go through the process of, of discipleship, sanctification. But it all starts with our justification, and that's by grace alone because of you. Oh, may that be true in our lives. Help us to be aware of those lies and those myths and wives' tales and half-truths on the Internet. and uh, Help us to, to know the truth and know that that sets us free and that, can, and, and that it can set others free as well. And now, Lord Jesus, as we, as we give of our tithes and our offerings, uh, we worship you as we sing this closing song in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're our guest here this morning, don't, don't feel like you have to give anything. Um, but we do want to encourage everyone to put those Connect cards in there and uh, hope that you uh, will register for the men's thing, uh, Courageous Dads, for Vacation Bible School to help with the mission trip. And there was one other thing on there, what discovery classes. Um, so make sure you fill those out and get them in the offering plate as it comes by. Let's close in this final song.